The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, good morning. Good morning. We don't have a baptism to share this morning, um, but we do have a couple irregularities. Um, First, I want to just say thank you to Dennis for uh, leading us this morning in worship. Um, Dennis is an old friend of mine and Caleb's. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. Uh, And we're just excited to to have him come and and share a time of of gathering to worship with us and serving us in that way. So um, we also, uh, you probably noticed there's a few more kids that didn't leave service whenever um, Joel finished his reading uh, because on the months that have five Sundays, that fifth Sunday is our family Sunday. And so we gather with the two older classrooms. Um, There's still the, the nursery through pre-K um, going on, but we've got the two, the two older kids' ministry classrooms in with us. So it's going to feel a little bit more crammed, maybe a little bit um, louder at times, but uh, that's part of why we bring the kids in and invite them to, to worship with us and gather with us during this time. Um, last week, first, I didn't introduce myself. There's so many people that knew every week that I see. Um, I, I feel a little bit annoying to you when I say every morning, hey, good morning. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here, but it's a necessary evil. I think I've said that before. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll continue to do that for as long as I see 15, 20 new faces on a Sunday morning. So good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, thank you for gathering with us this morning. Last week, we installed four new elders, Joel being one of them. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so I wanted just to remind everyone that the reason that we installed elders, uh, or not the reason, but like what that means is that we installed four new pastors, that Brian and I can't carry the load of leading an entire body by ourselves. Now, not all pastors preach, Not all elders preach, but all elders and pastors do shepherd and care for and love the church uh, like Brian and I have done for the last two plus years. And so what we're doing is we're not inviting a board in to make decisions for us and say yes to a budget and no to some spending. What we are doing, that's part of their job. What we're doing is actually inviting more people, more men to come in and help carry the load of loving and caring for this church. And so um, what that means, what that will happen, what will happen because of that is our church has a greater opportunity to be healthy. And when we talk about church health, what we're talking about is believers strengthened. We're talking about um, you being equipped to go into your context, into your world uh, outside of the Sunday morning time to love Jesus with your whole life and to tell people about him. 
to be cared for by your leadership here. And so um, installing four new pastors, four new elders, uh, means that our church has a greater opportunity to be healthy. And when a church has a greater opportunity to be healthy, it has a greater opportunity to multiply. And if you've been around Redeemer for a little while even, you probably have heard us talk about revival. You've probably heard us talk about how we pray for revival. You've probably heard us pray for revival. And what we mean is that the church in San Angelo would be strengthened, believers encouraged, their faith strengthened in Christ. The, the unity of the body built together in love so that we would then multiply in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our relationships with family members. So we're going to continue praying for revival. And I, want, I don't want to miss the opportunity to see that installing elders is not like the one step in the formula that we're taking next. Like we can just check the box and all we're going to be doing is checking boxes and nothing's happening. But we do that because the Lord has led us in that direction because we're planting seeds and watering as, as we wait for God to bring forth revival in San Angelo. So please continue to pray for us, uh, to pray with us for revival in San Angelo. Um, it's an incredible blessing that he invites us to be a part of what he's doing in our city. He's doing incredible things. And I'm excited to, to walk forward with um, four new pastors and elders uh, to see what God does in San Angelo. So like Joel read, we're in Psalm 23. Um, it's a famous one, right? I'm intimidated preaching Psalm 23, but I picked Psalm 23, so I've got to sit with that. How many of you are familiar with Psalm 23? Even just a little bit, right? Familiar with it, probably could read some lines of it, uh, or recite some lines of it without reading it, right? It's, it's so well known. You've probably read a book about Psalm 23. You've probably listened to other better, smarter pastors preach on Psalm 23. You've probably related it to your life, probably tried to memorize it. It's, it's popular. Okay, what about the illustration that it uses? How many of us are very familiar with the relationship between a sheep and its shepherd. And we are, okay. I, so I believe you because we live in the sheep, uh, what is it, the wool and mohair capital of Texas, probably the world. What a weird thing to be famous for. <laughs> but we're just going to roll with it. We're going to lean into it. So we're, we're the wool and mohair capital of the world, and if it's not of the world anymore, we're still going to claim it. But we, that means that a lot of us probably have some familiarity with that, right? But do you know the smells associated with the relationship between a sheep and its shepherd? Do you know the dangers? Do you know the sleeping habits? Okay, I, I'm going to try to say this as best as I can on Family Sunday. Do you know the foolishness of the sheep? And do you know the kindness and the patience and the care that a shepherd has for its sheep? Now, I still see some of you nodding your heads. And because I know our context, I believe you. But do you know all of those things in the context of the ancient Middle East? In a relationship between a sheep and its shepherd in the ancient Middle East. They didn't have four-wheelers to drive them out to the shed. 
They didn't have antibiotics. They didn't have water troughs with pumps that that you could just like magically make water appear in the desert. The sheep made its home with its shepherd. The shepherd made its home with the sheep. We may know to some degree this relationship, but we don't know deeply what David is talking about. And so let's take those two things. Let's take this. We understand Psalm 23. It connects deeply into our lives. Let's take that familiarity with Psalm 23 and the, the lack of familiarity, familiarity we have with the context, precisely the context, not our own context, David's context of a sheep and its shepherd. How can we be so familiar with Psalm 23 and lack the familiarity of the relationship that David's talking about. It's because there's something that Scripture does that connects into our lives without us having to know every little bit about it. There's something special that Psalm 23 and the rest of Scripture does that it connects into our moments, into who we are and how we live and what we need. That we don't have to be a a Middle Eastern or an ancient Middle Eastern shepherd to understand Psalm 23. We don't have to be a sheep to understand Psalm 23. But we do because scripture gets into our souls. Psalm 23 encourages and guides us to trust God for provision, protection, in presence. What Psalm 23 connects to this, this deep human connection that it makes, the reason we're so familiar, is because we need a shepherd. Like sheep are needy, we are needy. And like a shepherd, God provides for all of our needs. He protects us. But it, it's way more than that. The shepherd is always present. The shepherd has a meaningful relationship with its sheep. Psalm 23 encourages and guides us to trust God for provision, protection, and presence. Let's look at verses 1 through 3, paying close attention to this provision that God gives. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That, that line, I shall not want, has struggled to get into my mind and into my imagination. But looking at other translations has helped me. There's some translations that say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The one that really got into me, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice that the shepherd, in his kindness, makes his sheep lie down. He is is the, the active force in the action of the sheep lying down, not the sheep. The shepherd makes the sheep lying down. Do you know why the shepherd makes the sheep lie down? 
because the, the shepherd knows what the sheep needs more than the sheep needs it, than, more than the sheep knows it. I messed that up. I'm going to say that again. The shepherd knows what the sheep needs more than the sheep knows it. I'm going to say it a third time just to like really get it to sink in. We're the sheep in this. Okay, good. The shepherd knows what the sheep needs more than the sheep knows it. We will continue to distrust God for as long as we believe that we know what we need. We'll forget that God is our shepherd for as long as we forget that only he knows what we really need. Because we're fooled and deluded by our own desires, by the powers of darkness, by sin that's within us and sin that happens to us. We're deluded and fooled into thinking we know what we need, but we don't. He makes us lie down. We are limited. We are weak. We need rest. And so he makes us lie down. Our bodies need rest because our souls need rest. Remember um, that God doesn't separate the physical and the spiritual like we do. Um, This is a bad habit that we've gotten into. Uh, God actually made us to be whole people. We are physical and spiritual beings. This is why Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's not labeling the parts and the divisions of people. He's saying, love God with your whole being. That's the seen and unseen parts of you. You are a whole person. And so because our souls need rest, God has designed us for our bodies to need rest. Because God actually prioritizes the spiritual over the physical, but he uses the physical to illustrate the spiritual. Our needy souls help us understand something about us. So David says in the middle of this provision statement, he restores my soul. What David realizes he most needs is the restoration of his soul because... What Psalm 23 helps us understand is the, the, the part of us that exhausts our soul, our sin. Now, sin is more than just the bad things we do, right? Sin is our active disobedience against God, against our parents. Um, sin is doing the things we know we shouldn't do. But also there's, there's this aspect, this sin nature within us that is sin um, that leads us to do wrong and bad things. So sin is our nature of, of rebellion against God, and sins are the fruit of that nature. Does that make sense? So Psalm 23 helps us to understand sin in a different way, because this corrupted nature is an attempt, when we our sin nature and doing these, these bad things, what we're doing is attempting to bring restoration to our souls on our own. The things that destroy our lives are the things that we are looking to 
to bring our soul's rest. Um, I've mentioned it before, but in the, the movie, um, oh, this wasn't in my notes. Jesus, what's the, what is it? Jesus Revolution, yes. Early on in the movie, in the first like 20, 30 minutes, the, the main character um, is talking about the hippies of, of the 60s and 70s. He's like, they're looking for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. That's a statement about humanity. We need to be made to lie down. Now, one of the ways that I have um, done this, I've learned a lot about myself in the last few years. Pastoring will do that to you, um, but just living life will do that to you. And one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I have this disposition to use work to try to restore my soul, right? I want, I'm easily deluded in believing that I can find rest in my job's success. And and I use quotes because it's, it's not success, right? It doesn't work that way. There's this weird thing in me that's like, I know I'm tired, but if I could just get this one thing right, or if I could just figure that thing out, So I keep working, and guess what I'm doing when I'm working and working and working? I'm getting more and more tired. But because I have that disposition in me, what do I then do? Well, I just got to figure it out. I just got to try a little bit harder, and it's a snowball effect, isn't it? Sin will pull you into believing that you can figure out rest for yourself, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. We need our shepherd to make us lie down. Now, I'm talking about my job success. I know that some of you probably feel this way. Some of you probably feel this way about your parenting. There's, there's a lot of shame that I feel about job. There's a lot of shame that we all feel about these aspects of our lives where we just continue to keep failing because we're trying so hard to bring restoration for ourselves. Um, and It's not because I'm bad at my job that it doesn't work. It's because I'm bad at God's job that it doesn't work. It's not because you're bad at parenting. It's because you're not God. Y'all like to sit over here. And I love love the the talking back. That's helpful. It, like, gives me some energy. Um... Let's spread it out some and like get, get everybody going. Psalm 23 encourages me to trust God for provision. And I have a question attached to that. Do you believe, do I believe, like truly, really, actually, not agree, believe that God knows exactly what you need? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Psalm 23 also encourages us to trust God for protection. Verse 4, this middle portion of Psalm 23, it reminds us that we need protection because we're just sheep. Sheep who think they're shepherds, but we're sheep. 
and sheep don't know what they need, and sheep can't see in the dark. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My aunt passed away last Saturday. Um, and on, this wasn't this hard in practice. On Wednesday, <clears throat> I had the, the privilege and the honor to preach Psalm 23 at her funeral. And something became clear to me in those few days that if deathbeds are the deepest part of the valley, funerals are the darkest parts of the shadows. But what a comfort it is to know that we're not left to, to find our own way through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not left to figure that out. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We have with us the one who can see through the darkness. And that's not figurative. Psalm 139, verse 12. But even darkness is as light to you. So like these dark moments that we're in, God sees clearly. We don't have to fear evil because he's with us. It's even more comforting to know that God doesn't only lead us through the dark and scary valley, but he knows the way because he sees clearly, but also he's walked through it. Because God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to walk straight through the valley, not of the shadow of death, but of death itself. So that as we walk through the valley, all we have to do is walk through shadows. And it doesn't, like that's not only the good news, right? That, that Jesus walked through the valley and, and that he died for us so that, that the valleys we experience are, are only shadows. He made it through the other side. He made it through the valley. He made it through death itself. He was raised from the dead so that we would be raised with him. That's right. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 23 encourages us to trust God to provide for and to protect our souls. Do you believe, not agree, do you believe God knows exactly what you need and that he will provide it? Amen. Uh, verses five and six, let's read those. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's God's provision. We're reiterating God's provision for us. You prepare a table before me and in the presence of my enemies, I'm protected. I can sit down and enjoy a meal with you because not only do you give me what I need, but you protect me. You anoint my head with oil. Um, This anointing my head with oil has a double meaning. There's these two connotations that it carries. So in the, um, the, the context of a sheep and a shepherd, a shepherd would make, uh, anytime a sheep would get wounded or sick, it would make a tincture. Do y'all know what a tincture is? I didn't know this. It's apparently you take herbs and things from nature, plants, and you mash them up with oil, and it creates a salve that, that can medicate a wound. And, and a shepherd would take this tincture and it would put it, the salve, and it would put it on the wound and it would rub it with oil to keep the medicine in and the bugs out. But also, the word used is not that word. The context carries that meaning, but the Hebrew word used is actually the Hebrew word that, that means it's like a bride being anointed with perfume oil on the night of her wedding. So God both cares for us and he provides for us, but he doesn't just stop at taking care of us. He lavishes us with his love and his care and his grace. So he both heals our wounds and then he pours beautiful smelling oil on us because we're his children. He, he prepares a meal for us when we're surrounded by our enemies to say, I'm not anxious. You don't have to be anxious. You're safe with me. Ephesians 1, um, the second half of verse 7 and verse 8, it, it, it explains that, that God lavishes us with his grace. He didn't see it fit just to save us. He didn't see it fit just to to bring us into the resurrection, but he wanted to lavish us with his grace. He wanted to give us all the spiritual blessings that we couldn't get for ourselves. And all this is possible because of God's presence. When you get to the end of Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, shall pursue after me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We then start to look back and we realize, oh, God has been here the whole time. God's presence is threaded throughout Psalm 23 because the purpose of Psalm 23 is not that he provides for and protects us, but that he's present with us. We prioritize what God gives us. God prioritizes being with us. Pastor John Anwuchekwa, um, he says it this way, because we're sinful, we would prefer God to give us our demands while demanding nothing in return. We want his stuff, but We want to not owe him. We we don't want to be with him. We love to set the agenda. But Jesus teaches us here that God's presence precedes his provision. And his agenda is far better than ours. Let me remind you that the shepherd 
makes the sheep lie down because the shepherd knows what the sheep needs more than the sheep knows it. God knows what we need, and it's not first provision. It's not first that our, our, our physical needs would be met. And it's not first our protection that we'd be kept safe. God knows what we need, and he prioritizes his presence. And it's in his presence that we're provided for and we're protected Being with God is what restores our souls. And let's talk for just a minute about what it means to be with God. Being with God is more than just going through the motions of prayer and reading the Bible. You can pray and you can read the Bible and check those boxes and never like really be present with God. You'll still get something from that. But being with God and, and being present to him is, is training our minds to be attentive to him in our moment. That requires us to be made to lie down. It requires us to slow our lives down enough, at least for a moment, to think about him. To, to think with him, rather than just to, to try to be knowledgeable about the Bible or about who God says he is. It means that we train our imaginations to be thought, to, to be caught up with thoughts of God. Remember Psalm 1. This, this concept is in Psalm 23. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who meditates on God's instructions day and night. This is being with God, letting our imaginations, putting the phone down and saying no to doom scrolling. If you've never heard of that term before, you already know what it means. It, being with God is saying no to our own impulses and turning to the one who can see through the darkness, who's already been through the valley of death. It's saying no to that inward reflex that, that sin nature we have to find restoration, satisfaction for ourselves, and actually asking God, what do you want from me? And then you wait and you listen. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of God forever. This concept of house. Okay, let's talk about this. Our home is not a building. Our home is not San Angelo. It's not, is not here. Our home is God. A sheep had no home. We have these, these little metal buildings that our sheep can go into, and that's fine. It protects them. That's good for the shepherd to protect their sheep. If they get too wet and cold, they'll die. Take care of your animals. But a sheep has no home. You can't send it mail somewhere. The shepherd is the sheep's home. Where the shepherd is, the sheep is. Where the sheep is, the shepherd is. God is our home. As we pray, hope, and wait for our good shepherd to come back for us, we cling to the hope of dwelling in the fullness of the presence of God for all of our days. 
Band, you can go ahead and come back up. This dwelling in the presence of God for all of our days is what, what's on our minds as we take communion together. Um, for us who trust in Jesus, the salvation and restoration, for the salvation and restoration of our souls. We'll be home soon. We have home now in him. And we'll get to be fully home soon. But until that day, we feast at the table that he's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. We take the bread, the body of Christ, we take the cup, the blood of Christ, and we eat and we drink, proclaiming his death until he comes again. Now, we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit different. Um, we're going to listen to a song and take communion, so please do um, come and do this with your families. Uh, it, families, if you are dedicating a, a child um, at, after our time with communion, now is a great time to go get them. Um, because immediately after communion, uh, Carolee is going to come up and lead our church through another parent commissioning and baby dedication, another special moment in our church this month. And so um, would you, if, if you are a professing Christian, you trust Jesus to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death, would you please join me at the table?